Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 208 of Wheel Bearings, we've got a lot of stuff to drive. The Audi SQ7, Lamborghini Urus, the 1957 Mercedes-Benz 300SL, the Toyota Sienna, the Hyundai Santa Cruz, the Nissan Frontier, the 2022 Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. We also talk about the new Lamborghini Countach, the return of the Acura Integra, and the possibility of a Nissan compact electric pickup. All coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 208 of Wheelbearings. I'm Sam Abuel-Samit from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin, and this week we'll go with Otto Vitale. And I am Roberto Baldwin uh, from Engadget. And this week, I am going to start things off because Robbie is still waking up from his uh, first night back on the stage last night, and uh, Nicole is digging up some information about the cars that she drove. So uh, this <laughs> this week, I've been driving the uh, just throw us right under the bus. Sam. <laughs> I. I think I just did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've been driving a 2020 Audi SQ7 that remarkably is still in the press fleet um, after uh, you know two almost two years now, and it's only got about 5,300 miles on it. Huh? Uh, so, yeah the the SQ7 is the I don't know if they sell an RSQ7 here in North America. I don't think they do. Uh, I think they still ha- I think they offer one in Europe, but this is the higher performance version of Audi's three-row crossover SUV thing, which is really more kind of wagonish than uh, kind of in between crossover and wagon because it's not that tall, especially after what we you know what we drove earlier this week that Nicole and I'll talk about later. Um, you know, it it actually doesn't feel that that big. Um, and so you know, when I say three row, it's nominally three row. It has a couple of extra seats at the back behind the second row, but yeah, they're you know certainly not uh, not big enough for for almost any adults. Um, and you know, I think kids are probably not going to be that comfortable back there in that third row anyway. But what makes the SQ7 special is it has uh, a twin turbocharged four liter V8 uh, with 500 horsepower. And it'll do zero to sixty in under four seconds, and it has big alloy wheels and, and big tires, and um, it it actually drives remarkably well for for what it is. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a you know five thousand pound plus vehicle. Um, it, you know, it's it's quite it's quite uh, quite nice to drive. Um, it's got fantastic seats in it. 
if you've driven, you know, if you've checked out any recent Audis in the last, you know, two, three years, uh, you'll be quite familiar with the current generation of the MMI infotainment system, which uh, Audi has moved away from uh, their MMI control knob, uh, moved to a dual touchscreen layout. So you've got a, a touchscreen at the top at the top of the center stack. Uh, it's not it's not the stand up tablet type touchscreens that we see on a lot of vehicles today. It's it's more integrated into the dash. That's where you'll find the infotainment stuff. And then down below at the bottom of the stack is a second touchscreen, which is primarily for things like the climate control. Uh, I'm you know I'm I prefer to have especially the climate control with physical knobs. You know I like to you know if I want to change the the fan speed, I like to just give it a quick twist or, or same with the temperature. Um, this one works okay. Uh, one of the unique things about Audi's approach to touchscreens is that they have haptic feedback. Uh, so you actually and, and you actually can't just tap on the screen like you typically do on, on a, on a uh, glass touchscreen. You actually have to press on it. So it's, it's kind of like pressing a physical button except that there's no contours there. So you still have to look at it. But you get you press and it, you feel a click uh, when it, when you do that. So it's somewhat like the uh, uh, the former uh, home buttons that Apple had on the iPhones or or actually on their current touch uh, touch pads on their laptops, where it, it doesn't actually move, but you feel you, it has a haptic feedback that feels like it's clicking. Um, it works fine. Uh, it's it's responsive. There was no lagginess to the system. Uh, certainly no lagginess to the powertrain in this thing. Uh, 500 horsepower was fantastic. Um, but, uh, even though this thing sounds great, like as soon as I fired it up, I picked it up from the airport on Wednesday morning after returning from, uh, from New York city, you know, as soon as you fire it up, you know, the, the quad exhaust pipes, it sounds like a high performance V8, you know, it's got, got a nice rumble to it. But, um, I, I remember the first uh, performance Audi I ever drove back in about 2007 or eight, uh, which was, uh, an RS four convertible. And this one still had the old naturally aspirated flat plane crank 4.2 liter V eight, which was the same engine that you would, that was in the first generation, uh, R eight. And, you know, that engine, you know, that thing would rev to over 8,000 RPM, you know, it, it had, you know, it had, it was a classic, you know, flat plane crank V8. You know, it, it sounded more like a Ferrari than, than a rumbling American V8. Uh, you know, this has, the, the SQ7 has some of the, the flavor of, of a typical, you know, American V8 in terms of its sound. Uh, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have the, uh, it's smoother. It doesn't have the rumbling, uh, you know, kind of that, that, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of that pulse, uh, that slight low frequency vibration that you get in, you know, in, in like a, a Chevy small block or, or a Ford Coyote V8. Uh, so you know, it's, it's a, it's a lovely vehicle. Uh, it's also very expensive. <laughs> How expensive uh, this is it? This particular one, this particular one, uh, including delivery, uh, and keep in mind, this is a 1990 model, so I think the prices are actually up slightly from this, but uh, Nin- this one was $99,390, including delivery. And it doesn't have all of the available options on it. It has a lot of options, but not not everything. It does have the executive package, uh, the driver assistance package, the heads-up display, the dual-pane uh, glass sunroof, 
the the Bang & Olufsen audio system, which is $5,000. Sounds Oof. very good. $5,000 good? Eh. <laughs> but, but you know, it's good. It's good. Um, laser headlight package. One interesting detail I noticed when I was photographing it on the um, on the front grill, front grill, redundant. On the grill, there are two uh, what what look like uh, look very similar to the devices that were on the front of that uh, Mercedes EQS that you recently drove, uh, Robbie. Uh, where the EQS has laser uh, or LIDAR sensors or a, a LIDAR sensor and a dummy LIDAR sensor. This one appears to have the exact same thing on the grill. It, it looks exactly like the Vallejo Scala LIDAR sensor that Mercedes is using, except it's not a LIDAR sensor. Um, when, when this was originally developed uh, a few years back, you know, and it came out around the time that the current generation Audi A8 came out, which launched... With it was one of the first vehicles to launch with lidar and using that same lidar sensor, and Audi had plans to introduce uh, their a traffic jam pilot system, a level three, partially automated system, which they never they they equipped the cars with the sensors, but they never released the software for it uh, because there there was no regulatory framework yet, and they couldn't figure out if it was legal or not or where it would be legal, and so. In Europe, they actually built these with a LiDAR sensor. So there's a, just like on the EQS, there's two of them, one on either side of the, the Audi badge, the four-ring badge uh, in, in the grill. Uh, and I believe that on the European versions, on the one side was a LiDAR, the other side was a radar sensor that had a cover on it that looked exactly like the LiDAR for the same reasons that Mercedes used a dummy to give it that symmetry because you, you don't want you know a sensor sitting on just one side of your grill. It was camouflaged <laughs> so, radar. Uh, I believe, yeah, so I believe on, on one side, you know, they had the radar on one side, the LiDAR on the other side. Since they never released the SQ7 with the LiDAR in North America, it has a, a radar sensor that looks like a LiDAR sensor and then a dummy on the other side. Because so, uh, you must have balance. There's that. Things must be balanced and equal, and <laughs> otherwise your car will tip to one side. It's a mess. What was it, the uh, Discovery Remember when Discovery came out and the rear of the car was definitely not sym- symmetrical and everyone made fun of the, yeah. the rear of the Discovery when it, the uh, Land Rover Discovery. So I think everyone's like, well, we don't want to be that. <laughs> yeah, or, or the Nissan Cube. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the Nissan Cube was also asymmetrical because it had the glass that wrapped around one C-pillar at the back and from the side to the back. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know... Uh, Symmetry is a weird thing. Some, you know, symmetry adds character, but not everybody likes character, apparently. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> character. So um, the S- SQ7, um, you know, real, if you're looking for a, a high performance SUV uh, that not quite as high performance as say an Audi X5M or X6M. Um, or, or a Mercedes AMG, uh, I guess it w- this would be equivalent to uh, the GLE, maybe somewhere between the GLE and the GLS. Um, it's not quite as high performance as those. Uh, that would be the RSQ7, which we don't get here, I don't think. Um, but uh, it's you know, if if you if you're a fan of Audi and you want something in that you know that kind of performance range. Uh, I think this is a, a great option to take a look at, and you know it's a it's a really attractive uh, big wagon 
Yeah, so it looks good. It drives really well. Um, the ride quality is uh, very good, um, considering the size of the wheels and tires on it. Uh, so I, I, I'm enjoying it. So what's your, your verdict? Nicole. Are you... For, well, I have a question for you. That haptic screen, would you rather have a yeah. screen with a haptic feedback if you could pick or choose? Pro haptic feedback or against it? Like, did you like it or did you like, I had to get used to this? It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, I think the thing, the thing that takes more getting used to, I, you know, the, I think uh, Cadillac has in the past offered a haptic, had a haptic screen with their, uh, their infotainment system. Uh, but in that case, it was still just a, a tap to, to click to you know right. you just tap it you don't actually have to press it um, what's different about this and what takes getting used to is the fact that you actually have to press the screen yeah uh, he, like pressing a button as opposed to just tapping it and, and getting some feedback I kind of like the idea and because I, I find so often I think I've tapped the it, screen and sometimes you're like oh wait I didn't tap that then you tap it again and if the screen's had a little if there's been like a half a second of lag you're like oh now I tapped it twice now I've done something I didn't want to do so yeah. I kind of like the idea that it's like yeah, yes so it's the, it's given me some feedback I have in fact touched that button you did the thing you thought you yeah, did so there, you did the you thing did you the, thought you did before you exactly. did the thing you thought yeah. you did again yeah Cool. And, okay. and there, there's less likelihood that, you know, you're going to get frustrated, you know, if you thought you tapped it and nothing happens. Yeah. You know, if you don't feel the feedback, then you know it hasn't registered. You so, know you missed. Uh, yeah. Then I, I, so I, th I think it's actually, a, it's probably actually a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Of course, it, yeah. it also means that, that you're going to, you know, have probably even more prominent fingerprints on the, on the screen. Because you're really pressing instead of just. Yeah. Microfiber cloth in the center console. I, I've given up so, on the screens. Like they, they're covered with fingerprints, and I'm like, yup. It's I don't even. I've That's given life, up. Man. It's just, it's just a, exactly. It's just a fact it's life, of life. Man. Just, just your screen life. will be covered with fingerprints yep. 30 seconds after you clean it. Okay, so I had only one car that I drove that was in my driveway this week, and that was the uh, 2021 Toyota Sienna Limited in a color that I'm not a fan of, uh, Sunset Bronze Mica, which is kind of a shiny brownish color um and i, I it, it's it's not an attractive color i don't like it um my daughter and husband both immediately thought it looked like baby poop so you know i feel like given a poop in your life you don't need it in your car too when you have little kids but whatever so not a fan of the color but uh so this is it's new this year they did a lot with the with the sienna uh there's a hybrid engine it's a 2.5 liter four-cylinder total is 245 horsepower and 176 pound-feet of torque it moves i mean it's good you don't I, I like that hybrids now like there was a time when hybrid engines felt like hybrids you always knew you were in a hybrid it always just felt like you would hit the gas and you're like are we are we gonna go is it off or is it just hybriding because they don't feel anything happening this is responsive like you move toyota does a good hybrid engine and this one is no exception um it's got that roomy interior with cubbies galore like your family you want to have eight thousand cup holders a spot for every last random mcdonald's toy and the rock the kids <laughs> picked up at the park and that flower that has to be protected in a cup holder till you get home and it has all of that so it has all the features that you want a minivan to have and it's comfortable it's it, you know you're driving a lot with kids, you're running around and it's a tiring day. And especially I have these memories when the girls were little, my biceps were like stronger than they ever were because you're constantly lifting kids in and out of a car. So you're moving a lot and lifting a lot. You're lifting grocery. Like, it's nice to just sit down in a nice big 
comfy chair that is your driver's seat and just ah, sort of relax. And that's exactly what you get in the Sienna. It's, it's a good, it's a good option. And the fuel economy with the hybrid, which is a big deal. It is actually, this is the most even fuel economy on the planet. 36 city, 36 highway. So the combined is in fact 36. Um, 36? 36. I know, right? Ooh. That's really higher math, but good job, Sam. Um, <laughs> so That's why I have an engineering degree. Exactly. See, totally worth it. You figure that out like that. Um, I was averaging, actually, I averaged a little higher. I was averaging like more towards 38, um, was just kind of cruising along. So it, so it lived up to that and then some, which I feel like is a good thing because the other thing you worry about when you our family is the budget's tight because there's so much going on with the kids and so many things pop up. It's not, you know, it can be tough to budget when you have kids. And I feel like this is a good choice from that point of view, from the not good point of view for budget. Especially considering that, you know, this is not an inexpensive vehicle. That's what I was going to say. From the not budgety point of view, (laughs) this one, which again was the limited, it has, you know, it has a leather interior. It has a 12 speaker JBL audio system with a subwoofer and an amplifier. Uh, so it's got some stuff in it. And this total price on the one in my driveway is $50,010. That's a lot of, that's a lot of scratch for dragging your kids around town. So they can, they can spill it, their happy meals everywhere. It's a lot of scratch. And it also, I mean, there's the rear seat entertainment is included in there, which is 1400 bucks, which, you know, bumps the price up a bit. Um, but who needs that? Does anybody really need a rear seat entertainment screen where now you have like tablets that are like super durable for kids and then you can take them with you wherever you go? I don't even think I would buy one now. Would you get one if your kids were little? I, I Right now, I probably them, yeah. not. Just because, yeah. as you said, everybody's got mobile devices, but... You know, 15 years ago? Yeah. But yeah, like, absolutely. But it, 15 years ago, yeah. But in 2021, I can't actually see. I never really thought of it. I can't actually see spending $1,415 on a rear seat entertainment system when you probably already have devices that your kids own that will you, do the job. Yeah, that you have like a $500 tablet. Or even right. not even that. You can have like a hundred and something dollar tablet. Right. They make like kids. kid-friendly tablets too that are yeah. super cheap and all like kinds of durables. You can practically like throw them out of the window and they'll just bounce right along and you can pick them up. Yeah. Um, not that you should be letting your kids throw anything out of the windows, but you know, it happens. If they uh, do. So, if they do. Kids are kids. Um, so those rascals. Those rascally little things. So... There, that's that's the Toyota Sienna. I like this car. I mean, I really like it a lot. I'm I have never personally owned a minivan. I made it through all of my little kid mom years um, without a minivan because I never liked the the sort of aura of you're like you're a mom in a minivan. I'm like, no, I can't be that. I can be a mom. I can have you know food on my shirt because my kids got food on me. I can have my hair in a ponytail and look like a grub, but I am not driving a minivan. But if I minivans were, are so much better though. They are better. I mean, but They're still, so much absolutely. Better. But would but you I, do? I would. I did SUVs. I had like like. Um, but like they're better mid-size. than SUVs. Yeah, but they're the not. The door they, open, slide, slide. They're so. They're more useful, but like cool factor. Is it cooler to drive any minivan, or is it cooler to drive any SUV? If you're like, I cannot stomach the minivan life. I SUVs feel like, are cooler. Uh, uh, SUVs definitely think, have that cool factor, but if you're if you're hauling that kid yes. around, you got to load that kid into a car seat. Yeah. 
it's so much easier to do that it's way know, at the height of a every, minivan than it is at, at an, in an SUV. Well, and the big thing too is that I always found like every time you went somewhere with another, like, you know, we're all, I'm going to the beach with another mom and now we have two of us and four kids. So we need to have something with three rows of seating for sure. You can't get by and, you know, a five person SUV, but also kids love to go to the backpack and in an SUV, they will just climb over the middle row and their feet hit the hit the roof. Then you have these nice little scuff marks on your ceiling. If you have a uh, minivan, especially if you have the pass through, you know, if you only got like a captain's chairs, you know, they will actually walk, I mean, over the console between the two, but still you take your wins over the console into the back seat. So you don't have these scuff marks on your ceiling. Yeah. That. I'm just going to say, uh, exactly. I guess it's three words, stow and go. That's it. I know. I, we, I, I have Absolutely. rented a minivan. Yeah. I have a, I have a very expensive Lamborghini in my driveway and for mm-hmm. the show and for a trip we're taking, um, I rented a minivan. See? Yeah. Yeah. They're not cool, but dang you it. Those things are useful. Yeah. We're taking the dogs with us. And so I was like, well, huh. we could get an yeah. SUV, but nah, forget that. Let's get a minivan. Yeah. See, this they a, do the job. You're, they're do- nice and squishy and, oh, uh, they're the best. The okay. best. But to the to the to the pricing conversation, yes. you know, if if you don't need that that rear seat entertainment system and you know all, all the other goodies, you still you know you can get the the base Sienna LE starting at you know under around thirty five thousand, which makes it uh, much more well, wheel drive. It's, and it still, I mean, it still yeah. has most of it. Like you lose the like the luxury stuff, but how much do you care about leather seats? How much do you care about the fancy? If you're truly on a budget. Don't get the limited and pick a color other pick a color no. other than bronze sunset bronze mica and it will look prettier sitting in your driveway. Um, you yeah, can get the ruby flare things. pearl. Ruby oh, is that a color? Is that like bright red? Ooh, that is. Ruby. Uh, it's it's ruby more of a pearl. more like a burgundy red. Ooh. Uh, weird. It's, it's a it's a darker red. They need to put more sports the one, car the one colors I had on minivans. Was, was that color? Like bright they yellow. Do. Need a bright yellow. Yeah, you need right. Skittles colors. You right. need those Skittles, like those supercar exactly. colors. <laughs> I always think it has to be lime green. Lime. lime green, like a lime green minivan. That would be weirdly cool. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I can't have my Lamborghini, yeah, but check out my minivan. <laughs> I always get excited yeah. when I see someone who's taken like a Honda Odyssey or Toyota Sienna or even an old Chevy Astro van, and uh, they've like slammed it and put like nice wheels on it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Because in the 90s, that was like a whole subgenre of car culture was the minivan with the, you know, 15, you know, 15 inch speakers in the back. Just you're like, that's that's my jam. Just open it up. And anyway, yeah. minivans are dope. We're we're uh, we're, we're the old uh, mid engine Toyota Pre- uh, Previas uh, popular for that sort of thing. Oh, I um, I feel like back then it was really the Astro van. And the the, the Astros, um, okay. What was it? The Safari? Was that what was it called? Yeah, that was the GMC yeah. version. The GMC Safari. The GMC Safari, and the Ford Aerostar. Yeah, the the yeah that was sort of because it had that sort of cool wedgy look. It just yeah yeah. And they had okay. that cool commercial Chevy Chevy Astro Astro, and it drove around like Saturn <laughs> or something. It was a very I I've had that the song for that commercial stuck in my brain i do not even remotely remember this commercial but now you know what i'll be googling as soon as we're done recording there was there was someone i worked with who was a big like chevy astro van fan 
and I sent him that ad, and he'd never seen it before. And I'm like, I don't Dude, this, ever remember that. I'm that like, ad. this this ad has been stuck in my brain since it For came out. For thirty years. <laughs> yeah, it's like driving in space or something. I don't know. Good times. Okay, so I have, I, I have a feeling a, a lot of that's going to come back in 2023 when the uh, production ID buzz arrives. Oh here. yeah, I think, I think we're going to see a mm. bunch of those done up that way. That's going to be the that's going to be the cool van. I actually just had someone who who asked me about mm. uh, minivans. Like, what? What? Oh wait, it was it was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I've, very, I've had I've had uh, wait four hours of sleep after a very very after like a 20 hour day yesterday so that was i think that was in the questions last it was last week, it so. wasn't the question That's like hey someone funny. asked me about vans and we told <laughs> wait a minute we just did that when did that happen uh i'm glad all right. okay go, all right go back and, and take another quick cat nap while nicole tells yeah. us about her okay so cars. i have two other vehicles to talk about these were first drives that happened in the last uh week or so and they're Kind of compete, but kind of don't, depending on who you ask. I had drove the 2022 Nissan Frontier, and I drove the 2022 Hyundai Santa Cruz. Um, the Santa Cruz, you would say it's a compact pickup truck, but Hyundai would not. They call it a sport adventure vehicle. Adventure. Uh, sport adventure vehicle. I mean, you can Hyundai giggle, but so like... so weird about things like that. I, I, I like, every automaker is. Every so. automaker invents yeah. almost. I'm like, it's a compact truck. So, you know, call it what you will. It looks a lot like a compact pickup truck, um, but it has a really short bed. So it's, it's even... I think it's going to be like more Maverick-like when the Maverick comes out, you know, because Maverick squishes everything down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the Santa Cruz, they I'll talk about that one first. Uh, they did a great job with this. It does have that very comfortable SUV um, ride and interior. You don't feel like you're in a little rough little truck. Um, it has pretty affordable pricing. It starts at only twenty three nine ninety, so let's call it twenty four. Um, it gets a nice big infotainment screen, Apple CarPlay, that kind of good stuff. Um, you've got two different powertrains in there. There's a two point five liter four cylinder with one hundred ninety one horsepower, and also a turbocharged that brings it up to two hundred and eighty one. Um, I think I would go for that that turbocharged one because. 191 isn't a lot of horsepower for even a um, modestly sized sport adventure vehicle. I said it right. Uh, so <laughs> so I would go for that one. Um, gets good fuel economy. Um, and you do have front wheel or all wheel drive, so you can pick. But it's all wheel drive. It's not four wheel drive. And I think that's probably the big differentiator between it right now and some of the other compact trucks out there. It has that light off-roady capability. You want to drive it on a sort of a rough road. You want to drive it off the, you know, you're, you're going up to the cabin. You've got to drive across this rock, you know, muddy fairground. It's fair season everywhere. You're cool. But if you want to really, really go off-roading, probably not because it's not a four-wheel drive vehicle. And there's a little bit of a difference between those things. So, um, has good room for cargo can, has good capacity for towing. It can tow up to 5,000 pounds. Uh, and it was a nice, comfortable, ride. It's quiet. It's responsive. So it does a good balance of having that SUV inside with a little bit of truck, like, you know, business in the front, party in the back, just party a little in bit the of a back. party. Just a little bit of a party, a little it's a party small in the party. back. It's a, it's Not a, a get, big party. It's a get together. It's a get right. together with, with some good so friends. It's the Hyundai mullet. 
It's the, the Hyundai. Hyundai. Oh my Mullet. God. Hyundai's going to be like, thanks guys. Appreciate that description. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the Hyundai <laughs> mullet. Uh, so it, but it's a good mullet. It's the mullet. You, the, you know what? The guy wearing oh. that mullet is, he's just embracing it. And you're like, you do you dude. That is an awesome mullet. Uh, yeah, so I really liked it. Maybe, it does maybe, have maybe maybe instead of SAV, instead of sport activity vehicle, maybe or compact truck, maybe that is the the actual category we're talking about here is is mullet trucks. <laughs> mullet trucks. Oh my god, that's an awesome description. Can we start writing that Santa in all Cruz, of our reviews, guys, going mullet forward, truck. mullet trucks and make that a thing? <laughs> I, I want that to be a thing. And they're like, someday someone will say, where did that come from? Right here. <laughs> Will Bearings Podcast. Will Bearings Podcast. We brought that term to you. You're Copyright welcome. 2021. <laughs> uh, so I liked I like the Santa Cruz. I think it's a good truck. I think it's not the truck person's truck. It's more someone who just wants that little extra capability, a little versatility to tow, to put stuff in the back for your day to day. You know, it makes your runs to Home Depot to the garden center. It carries, come on guys, what does it carry well in the back? Mulch. Yes. It carries mulch mulch in the back. Yay. Uh, So it does that. It has nice little sort of um, the way that the bed is made. There's plenty of ways for you to put like, you know, two by fours and plywood and stuff on it to create multi-level situations and partition things off. So uh, I was a fan of the Santa Cruz overall. Literally drove the Santa Cruz the last three days of one week, went home for the weekend and then drove the Frontier. Uh, the Frontier is a more trucky truck. In fact, they just call it a truck. Go figure. They have no... Weirdos. I, I don't know. know. They... What's going on at Nissan? Come on, totally get together. Totally non-creative name. It's like compact pickup truck, whatever. We got a mullet and a sport adventure vehicle act over here. So uh, so this is the same. Even though it's, it's all new, it's not really. Because they introduced the powertrains... I want to say for 2020, was it? I don't think it was this year. I feel like it was last 21. 20, so it was, it was for 21. Last year, it was the 21. Okay. Truck. So the powertrains yeah. are the same. So if you've driven a Frontier, you've already you you've already seen the powertrains, so you know how that is. That's that's nothing new. Um, what they did is they've they've given a styling update, the safety features, the interior, the interior of the old Frontier. It was old, man. It was so dated. It felt so plastic, fantastic. And it was just, it was not a great interior. There was, you know, you could say it has the capability. It has the power. It can do all the stuff that I want it to do. But do I really want to sit in this all day? New Frontier is really nice. It, they did a fantastic job upgrading the interior. It The suspension system is very, very smooth. Uh, you drive over the potholes or over rough pavement you're going to be totally fine um it has you know they have the the pro x and the pro 4x so you got the pro x which is rear wheel drive or the pro 4x which is the four wheel drive but they get a combination of like skid plates skid plates and upgraded shocks and things to make it so you can legitimately go off road in places you think you might not be able to and they took us on a pretty good off road course that had some, you know, steeps, ups and downs. It had some rocky bits where the, you know, the rocks sort of want to slip under your wheels and it still climbed right up. Um, and they have this, they have a neat off-road available off-road camera that it, it's really cool. It gives you a great view, but it automatically turns on if you're in four low. So it's like, if you don't think about it, oh, you put cool. it in four low and you're at low speeds, it comes on. So boom, you need four low. You probably want to see exactly what's around your vehicle. Um, 
So that's kind of cool. I thought that was a neat little feature. Um, so I, I liked it. You know, you get an eight inch infotainment screen, you get a halfway decent audio, you get a nine inch screen on top trims and they put in a premium 10 speaker fender audio system. Uh, so you get all sorts of fancy when you move up the lineup. Uh, so I liked it. I think it's a good step a good step forward and it, it has the capability that you want. That's sort of like, you know, Santa Cruz to frontier. Santa Cruz is not about being a capable off-road crazy truck. The frontier, you can do that. If you want to, you can get that trim or you can take it down a level and just make it kind of like your Santa Cruz and make it just a run around town and carry mulch truck. But I was, I liked both of these. I think they did a good job on these two little trucks. Cool. You know, I'm always happy when Nissan does anything yeah. good right now because <laughs> I, they, there was a long, there was a long time where they weren't really, they were just doing things, yeah. okay, like good enough, and now yeah. I feel like they're 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 really sort of coming out of the good enough phase and back into the good, uh, and I, and I will continue to say this that it started with the Nissan Kicks, which I think yeah. is still a great little cheap, yeah. inexpensive vehicle. I love vehicle. the Kicks. Everyone loves good, the Kicks. It, but it gets some it gets some crap because it's not the most like. It's the kicks. It's an entry level, you know, little crossover situation. And they're like, oh, well, it's not a super responsive engine. It's not aggressive. I'm like, dude, it's, it's not, not a sports that's car. That's not what it is. If you don't anybody know, who, yeah, yeah. It's, if you it's don't understand the market, then it's it's yeah. I mean, the the kicks is not going after you know the, the Nissan Z buyer. It's going <laughs> after <don't> <laughs> the people who in the past would have would have bought you know a Versa or a Sentra. Yeah, you know, it's it's after that market. You know, people people that can't you know that either aren't interested in, in something sportier or can't afford it. Right. So, I mean, I think they did really well with that. And I think they continue that with the Frontier, the updates that they did to this. Um, like I said, the engine didn't change. The powertrain's the same. So that's not different. So you've you've pretty much got that already. If you drove that, you, you know what it's like. But the improvements elsewhere in how well it handles and sort of the, the, the technical things they did to make it a more capable vehicle and just the interior update alone, EGADS, it, it feels like an entirely, it's an entirely new truck. If you were looking at a Frontier and you were thinking, mm, I don't know, this just feels so old school and outdated, go drive the new one because it's entirely different and you will be pleasantly surprised. It's it's genuinely competitive now with things like the Ranger in terms of the ride in the interior and the Tacoma. Right. It was so far behind before. Now it's brought itself back up. It was so it was so yeah, rental well, car. And that's was. why they ended up in that's how I mean I've rented a frontier. That's how, <laughs> See? And it was a rental for, car no matter for, what for, you got. The nicest, fanciest one you could buy. You're like, I'm still in the rental car. Oh no, this is the top trim. Okay. Oh, Doesn't dear. feel like that anymore. Now yeah. that is completely the, the, shed the, that. The previous generation frontier debuted in 2004. Good <laughs> God. 17 years. It yeah, did not. 2004? Really? Been, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Wow. It launched in October 2004. You know, it had some, you know, some minor refreshes along right. the way. And don't forget, during the lifespan of the current generation Frontier, <laughs> there was actually a Suzuki branded version of it that, that Nissan supplied to Suzuki, the Suzuki Equator. Remember that? Really? Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I would have bought the Suzuki well, Equator. Uh, that's why Suzuki's cool. no longer in the U.S. market. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I mean, I Suzuki dropped out of the U.S. market 11 years ago in 2010, and you no know, one noticed. Before that, there was a version of the current generation Frontier badged as a Suzuki. That's bad. Oh, so seeing that, Nissan, like you said, Roberto, you it's it. it's making some good progress. Like this is a 
this is it's worth not just saying like okay oh good job okay it's a nice 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 job with your new new truck it's like oh nice job nissan you stepped up your game you're you're fixing it you're you're actually making marked progress as you introduce new things and not just putting enough of a band-aid on it to make it look better you're really genuinely uplifting some of these vehicles and making them better yeah so so would you say that the new frontier is it competitive competitive in that mid um, that midsize truck class, because you know you've got quite a few good choices in there now. You've, you've got the the Ranger, there's the Tacoma, um, the uh, GMC Canyon, Chevy, Chevy or Chevy Chevy uh, Colorado and GMC yeah. Canyon. Uh, so there's like four pretty strong competitors Were you, there. yeah well i happen to be i had to write something up about it in the ranger and there's certain things where it comes like and the rangers are pretty like capable off-road you know that's that's the one you're going to go off-roading and for sure you can do that it's pretty competitive like when i was writing it up i had to compare it to the ranger uh the tacoma and the canyon i actually had to do like these comparison write-ups and it didn't win on all of them but it wasn't like of the slides that I did, one thing, the Frontier came out ahead and the other trucks came out ahead everywhere else. It was always close. It was always like four, you know, four for one, <coughs> five for the other. So it is genuinely competitive. And it sort of depends what you're comparing. Like, you know, the Frontier has better infotainment from the get-go than the Ranger does. You know, that's that's something. Does that matter to every buyer? Maybe, maybe not. But then the Ranger has a better assortment of standard safety features from the get-go you know so you're you're giving and taking in one spot or another but i do feel like it's competitive and i think especially for the off-roading capability of this you know people like to go off-road in their fun little trucks and for the people who are looking at those trims like the tremor for the um ranger and you know the, the the pro 4x in this one this gives it a run for the money it's really a capable truck but it's still the interior the interior upgrades on this make it truly feel like it's competitive with the rest of the the segment cool, cool. good yeah. job nissan Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Roberto. Oh, yeah. What have you been driving? I've been driving some weird, crazy stuff this week. Uh, so let's start. Uh, <laughs> something old and something new. Uh, yeah, huh? it was something old and something new. Um, so let's start uh, with the uh, new. I drove the uh, Lamborghini Urus uh, this week. This is their the Lamborghini SUV. And I know people are like, oh, it's not really a Lamborghini. It's not this. It's not that. I can't believe they're making, you know. Uh, the Lamborghini Urus is the best-selling Lamborghini ever. Period. Hands down. You can't. It, yeah. It, yeah. It starts at like $220,000 because it's a Lamborghini. <laughs> but it's also the cheapest Lamborghini you can buy. Is so that the, really the cheapest? Yes. It's is the, the, it's the is best-selling. Cheaper than the Huracan? I think it's cheaper than the Huracan. I, th I believe it is At the... At $220,000, it's the cheapest Lamborghini. That just makes me laugh. Yeah, like, our that. cheap car is almost, you know, is more than Oh, it's house. a little bit It's a little bit more than the Huracan. Okay. It's, it's a, still It's cheap. a scooch more. So it's one of the least expensive Lamborghinis that you can buy. Um, it is... Uh, I, I, I actually, um, when they were asking me what car I wanted, I wanted to go full Lamborghini and get the Huracan. 
But I was driving from San Francisco down to Monterey. It's a two-hour drive. There's traffic. There's this. There's that. There's whatever. And I got to Urus, and I've driven it before. I did the drive program for it. And I was like, oh. But then when I was driving down there, and I, you know, I have a lot of stuff going on. And I realized, I'm like, oh, wait, I have uh, massage seats. And every time I hit a bump in the road, <laughs> I'm not being jostled about. And, you know, all these sort of the sort of niceties of an SUV um, with with the growl and the uh, insanity um, and, and character of a Lamborghini. And so I would I buy if I had the money and I was buying a Lamborghini, I would probably get the Huracan. And but it's. But I understand. I understand the buyer for the Urus. I understand the person who's like, I want a Lamborghini. I've always wanted a Lamborghini. I would love to own a Lamborghini. I have children. Or I have, you know, my husband or my wife doesn't want to drive this type of vehicle, you know. <laughs> they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to sit down two inches off the ground. They don't want to, like, deal with scissor doors. They don't want to deal with all the... The sort of uh, lifestyle that comes with a, with a Lamborghini. So we're going to get the Urus, and we're going to have a, 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 a grand old time. And uh, you are going to have a grand old time because it has a, a twin-turbo V8. It's a 4-liter, and it has 641 horsepower and 626 pound-feet of torque. So you're still getting – That's a lot. That's so much. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it is a lot and it has that even in like um, the sort of eco mode. It's still like It has wait, it has an eco mode? Well, it's not why the, does it It's not well, it doesn't have what? eco mode, but it's the least it's the least insane mode. <laughs> I like what does it say that the button mode maybe? Like like yeah, comfort, like the, normal, like, least insane and then yeah. sport. <laughs> so like it's yeah, it's it's the like the comfort mode. But even in comfort mode it's like you know, everything That's a pretty you do. good imitation of the engine there. I'm impressed with that. I've been driving it a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I expected, um, you know, just to be burning through 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 fuel. I expect it to be, okay, this thing's going to get like 12 miles to the gallon or something in, insane. And the, uh, oh, let me find it. The EPA rated uh, mileage is uh, 12 city, 17 highway. Um, wow. I was getting 23. Really? I, was, really? I was driving on the freeway. Wow, so I drove that's... all the way down and all the way back. And I was getting 23 miles per gallon. And I was just like, how is this even possible? That's, I mean, I'm just. That's remarkable for a lot That's just, actually really Yeah, impressive. that was insane. I was, you know, I'm cruising at like 70, 80 miles an hour. I got stuck I was going to say, were you like trying bit. to, were you trying to like hypermile it and let it coast? No, no you were just no, driving just like driving. a normal guy. Yeah, you know, you're on the freeway. I'm, I'm sure as soon as I take it to like the, the hills, I'm going to pull that down to like 10 miles per gallon. <laughs> as soon as I start like, yeah. Uh, but just like driving around, like you're like, oh, we got to take the Lamborghini on a trip. It's not going to uh, suck, siphon all the fuel or all the the money out of your bank account on, on mileage it's just i was just like out. i was like no and then on the way there it was like 23 something and on the way back, i'm like okay well maybe it's sort of off and on the way back same thing and i was like huh all right you know it's like a two-hour drive um it, the the and, you know since Lamborg lamborghini is part of the larger volkswagen family and in fact is technically owned by audi which means that this thing actually shares probably a lot of components with that SQ7 that's in my it driveway. It does. It is a fancy. That, that engine. It's, it's basically the same engine, but 
boosted turned, up with turned up 150 to a, horsepower. Or turned two, up to to 11. It it has um it, it the the yeah. uh the infotainment system is branded Lamborghini, but it's definitely like the MMI, which is good because if you ever, I don't know a Lamborghini uh, infotainment system, it's gotten better um over the past few years, but supercar infotainment systems are just notoriously not that great. Because that's not what you buy the car for. Right, Some you're them, buying it for all the luxury and the power and the look at my cool car. You're like infotainment, meh. No one can like see may, that. Who cares? Like sometimes you can plug in your phone and you'll get CarPlay, but most times you won't. You know, like sometimes you're just like, okay, let's just, well, forget it. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, it has the the, the, the um, a, a sort of branded um, Lamborghini branded Audi MMI. It's got the dual screens, so your your, your climate control is on it on the second screen, which is I like Sam. I like uh, physical buttons for for climate control, but it's it's fine. But everything in there is all designed around that Lamborghini brand. There's like little like little cages above all the little buttons. So you, I don't know why. So you know, you don't because it looks present. cool. Does it look cool, Roberto? The little cages above the buttons. It does look cool. Okay, it, it, so that's it, why you just it, answered your own question. It looks cool. Let's put that on there. The start stop. <laughs> uh, the 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 power. You know, the the turn it on. You have to lift up a little red gate like you're pl- flying awesome. a jet. <laughs> you like lift it up. I always <laughs> feel like those are like I, I watch too many movies in the '80s where everyone had to flip the little door up before you push the buttons to launch the missiles. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's like a missile launch button in a car. Yeah, we, <laughs> that's that's exactly we, what we, it is. We watched the Suicide Squad last weekend and and that that happened when they had to dispose of one of the uh, members of the team when they weren't doing what they were supposed to oh yeah you flip up the little button and you flip up the little it. switch and you are serious whatever the button does under left the, underneath that little cover whatever it does it's going to be impressive yeah and that's that's what you know that's what Lamborghini's <laughs> going for it's it's a Lamborghini and also it's also like the the typical Lamborghini where there's no like uh, like uh, drive, you have to use the shifters to put it into to gear. So the first time you get into it, you, you turn it on and you're like, oh, there's a there's like a button for park, and then you pull a thing back for reverse. But to go forward, you have to shift the the right paddle. And then and and you're still in automatic. You can you know you can do paddle shift you know manual. But you yeah. had to to go forward, you got to boop. And um, I had to drop it off with the uh, with the valets. And I forgot to tell them, so I don't know. I, I'm sure they probably figured it out because it's Monterey Car Week, and I'm sure I at feel that like, point, yeah, they yeah. were, yeah. The, the valets, valets during Monterey Car Week probably have to go through a training process for all of these super cars, different for all crazy the possible permutations and combinations of how you have to drive a car. Yeah, like, this is how you get in and out of McLaren. This is how you turn on a Ferrari. This is <laughs> these our... are how these doors open. This is how this steering wheel moves. <laughs> no, no matter where you think Audi put the start stop button, they've moved it. You know stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> if you're looking for the Porsche, it's on the other side. Look on the other side. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah, I drove it down, to, down to, uh, for, for Monterey car week. I, I really like the car. I think it's, you know, I, I understand why people buy it. Um, I understand, uh, why, uh, Lamborghini made it. I remember during the drive program, I walked over to somebody from Lamborghini and said, you're going to sell so many of these and they have, <laughs> they have. And that's, you know, it's like people getting angry. Do we at- know how many? They, Sam, you know, I feel like you're the numbers guy. You know all these numbers, Sam. Come on, Sam. A, you always have numbers at the ready. Um, How many I, have they sold? I, I, I if you could see his face right talk. now, guys, he's like, "Oh God, oh gosh, I don't, I don't have that one ready." She put me on the spot. <laughs> they have a. They have like a little because, event. Because Lamborghini doesn't. They, they don't usually get included in the the monthly uh, sales. No, reports, so I'm not. I'm not sure. So I've got to. 
Got to look it up. Okay, I'll let you off the hook um, for this one. I did ask you to like have a weird number of the ready. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not surprising that the the Urus is the top-selling Lamborghini because the, the same is true over at Porsche where, you know, ever since the Cayenne was introduced, it's been the best-selling Porsche. Yeah. So, it's I would expect nothing less. And and, yeah. and people who get angry at those vehicles for whatever reason, those vehicles mean that you can again, you can uh, at Porsche, they can make 50,000 different variants of the 911 and over at Lamborghini that gives, you know, Selling a lot of Urises to to folks who want the Lamborghini, you know, name and power, but not the you know, weird sitting down position and and jostled kidneys, uh, <laughs> but that allows them to make you know, a thousand variants of the the Huracan and a thousand variants of the Aventador and a, you know, a brand new Countach, you know, all these weird little things. Uh, they 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 get paid for by these SUVs from these uh, performance uh, brands. So mm-hmm. yeah, so don't, don't hate on the Urus because uh, or the Cayenne because they allow because later on you're going to see something cool from those automakers because they can sell the Urus and the. Well, Cayenne. and that's kind of the case with all of them. Like people get on a, a an automaker for things that they produce that they don't really feel are like cool and slick and exciting and you know living up to their performance heritage or whatever i'm like yeah but sometimes you have to produce cars that actually make some money to let you produce the cool (laughs) slick performance thing that's you know frankly batshit crazy you need some money from somewhere and maybe that run-of-the-mill car for them for their lineup that might be what does it so back off give them a break (laughs) let let, let people buy the, the the car you don't think is cool so the automaker can make the cool thing that you like exactly it's all about balance, people. So, the circle of life. <laughs> circle of life. Um, and then I drove something very old and sort of is like, I guess, one of those bucket list things. I drove a 1957 Mercedes 300 SL Roadster. Uh, wow. If you uh, the the fifties uh, SL, I think everyone knows the Gullwing. The Gullwing is the official uh, favorite car of every human. Um, if you ask people who aren't really <laughs> even into cars, and you say, "Oh, what about that Mercedes?" Oh, yeah, that's my favorite car. That's I, the best. It is. It is the official favorite car of of non car people. It's like the second or third official favorite car <laughs> of car people. Uh, yeah. So I got to, to drive the the Roadster uh, version of it, and it was out standing it was it was wonderful and it's 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 also a nice reminder of just how far car technology has come because especially since oh, the yeah. about the early the mid 80s things started getting a bit better like when it comes to like stopping and turning and <laughs> <laughs> the basics <laughs> the basics that you know suspension and you know, before that it was just like okay here's four tires and a and a stick with a wheel at Good the luck. end of it connected to those tires and we threw an engine in there and there's uh, an idea of brakes we're just going to shove those on four tires an idea of brakes <laughs> and let's there's just go for there's a stopping power a hint of stopping <laughs> um, yeah it was great you know it doesn't have any of the things that you you expect from you know a, a modern car so it has the giant steering wheel because it doesn't have power steering um, it had drum brakes so you had to anticipate braking far more than you would on a modern vehicle um, it, it, it's just like oh dear I think that guy may be doing something let me start slowing down that's that's the sort <laughs> of uh, but yeah it has a four speed um, four speed manual transmission which of course I, I was a, a big fan of uh, this vehicle had a whopping 240 horsepower, 
which you know, 1957. That's a lot of horsepower. You have to. I was gonna say you got to qualify it for the year it's in. Like yeah. right now, you're going okay, but 1957. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of horsepower. That's a you lot know, of horses from a from a, a three liter straight six. So yeah, that's a that's that's. It sounded great. It felt great. It um, it it doesn't have stocks. They're inside this. So you have the steering wheel, and then inside the steering wheel is like a, a concentric circle, and it's three quarters of the star of the Mercedes star. That is what you use to for the indicator lights. So you turn. So while you're driving, you could you turn this inner circle left or oh, right wow. for the little blinkers to come on. How hard was that to do? Is that totally awkward? Well, you know, once you when you do it, it's fine. The problem is, is like every time you come up to a, a, an intersection, you have to turn. You you know, you have that muscle memory of every single car, <laughs> ever, um, and you're reaching you're reaching out there for that stock that's not there. It doesn't exist. Yeah, just flailing doesn't exist. your arms randomly just in the front seat. Flailing everything, um, and I left it on once, and it doesn't have like left right indicators. It has a little light at the top of a, like sort of a Christmas tree of lights you know like and it just blinks red <laughs> and so i act and and you know the gentleman's like hey it doesn't auto turn off which i should know that because i've owned cars where it doesn't automatically turn off. <laughs> and i forgot and i'm just <laughs> driving along because i'm just having the best day ever and i'm trying to make a video of this car and i can't because i'm just like so happy that i'm driving this car and then i see this little red light <laughs> flashing i'm like oh god what did i do to this car <laughs> What? Oh my God! How much is it? And then I, I asked. Broke it. And then I asked the gentleman, "How much is this car?" He's like, "Oh, like 1.2 million." I'm like, oh. "Oh, sure, 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 sure." So you know, no worries there. No worries. And then I, I'm like, it's "Oh, a it's a blink. compared to a Gullwing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Gullwing. You know, the Gullwing is the the, the Gullwing. That's 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 something that's that's always going to be again everyone's favorite uh, car. When you show it, you're like, "Oh, what do you want? Oh, and a Gullwing." I mean, everyone who's who's in kind of into cars, not even in the cars, they they remember they know that Gullwing. I think it's the the official uh, everyone favorite car. But that Roadster was just so nice. It was just just this pure mechanical driving experience. The the gears are a little bit further away than you anticipate. So the first couple times, I kept like going from second into like some sort of mystery third i'm like oh gotta go a little <laughs> bit further over like <laughs> mystery third going into where am i yeah 2.5 gear um i'm trying to remember what else is it you know it's all like sort of chrome inside and it has a teeny tiny little <laughs> mirror like mirrors were like such an afterthought in the 50s they're like ah, just throw something you know what you i have to see i have this compact with a mirror in it I'm just going to pop that out and then shove it in the car, <laughs> and that'll be good. It'll be fine. That's It'll fine. be fine. That's fine. So, yeah, it has a, and, and it has a little uh, – that, that, that sort of passenger – or driver's side mirror, and I don't it, – like, to, it's in the – it's, it's up, above, up in front of the windshield. So if you get in the car and you haven't adjusted it, you're like, eh. <laughs> I think there is an adjustment, but I didn't want to mess with anything in the Are car. you telling us – were you just afraid you like, I'm going to adjust this and, like, break off this mirror, and it's going to cost you $25,000 to get a new one on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because I asked the, the gentleman, I'm like, when you have this, when you let, you know, journalists drive it, do you have to, like – replace the clutch because not every journalist drives a manual transmission but not every journalist feels comfortable enough to say you know what i'm not very good at this which right. is unfortunate because you should just be upfront about what you're good at and what you're bad at you, you know you it's easy it's it's very important as a as a journalist or just as a human when they say hey what's your track experience if you've only been on the track once say once <laughs> 
Don't be like, oh, I've, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I've been at two different track events where somebody in the first lap of a presumably new-ish OEM car didn't really, really know how to drive a stick and brought it back after one lap on the track smoking. Ooh, yeah. Like seized up to – one of them Ooh. seized up to the point that they had to just like, Ooh. we will leave it. When the event clears, we're going to bring a flatbed in here because we literally cannot move this car. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. So if you don't know how to drive a manual, A, no shame in that because right. no one there, no one sells manuals. So how are, the, how are these parents going to teach their kids how to drive a manual if they've never driven a manual? And stop right. yelling at millennials for not knowing how to drive manuals because no one's taught them because you all bought automatic transmissions. It's your fault they don't know how to drive manuals, not it theirs. Is. I didn't. See, you're the good dad. I, I, I bought manuals all along, and I taught both the kids how to do it. See, because you're could, a, I tried. One, I couldn't get it. Them, my, my one daughter was like, I don't want to learn, Mom. I refuse. And the other one tried, and we basically just stalled the car 852,000 times in the parking lot at the high school to the point that one of the – it was like late, like after school, but the teachers are still there. Teacher's like, are you guys okay? I'm like, we're fine. We're trying to learn how to drive oh. a manual. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> See, you tried, or you tried, and you and, and and you did it. But but most people, most of the people, like I see, who post those like millennials don't know how to drive manuals. Those people how haven't. Those people haven't driven a manual since 1992. So exactly. I, and they they definitely did not teach their children, or even attempt to teach their children how to drive a manual. So mm-hmm. shut your pie holes. Anyway, exactly. 300 SL, <laughs> 1957. I absolutely adored it. It was. Uh, magical it was it was a, a bucket list vehicle um I, I i like to i was talking to the gentleman when you ever you drive an old car an older car you kind of forget like the heat that comes off the car like it doesn't like every mm. anything yeah. free like 1980 early 80s it's just there's always just heat coming up because the the, the firewall is like at uh, you know two centimeters thick so everything that the car is doing is and there, just and there's no up. there's no insulation there yeah there's zero yeah. insulation it's nothing it's just like engine a thin sheet of like metal or aluminum <laughs> and then just you yeah and uh yeah that was great he's like yeah i'm like i'm like you kind of forget about that he's like yeah it's really bad on the gull wing because now you're trapped inside at least in this you're like it's open air so this is you much better ventilation so yes. if you're a millionaire so, so was this one privately owned or was it's, it, did it belong it, to Mercedes? I believe it belongs to Mercedes. They have a they have a lot of uh, vehicles in their in their fleet. They're the ones that let me drive uh, the Simplex, the 1902 vehicle. Um, I drove a Pagoda oh. right after this, like a 1963. Wow, Pagoda, um, the 280 SL, um, which was also fun. It was an automatic transmission, but you could you, you know all both of these vehicles. You still feel you know, especially for that time. Just that the Mercedes luxury, like it's it's that it, they were on brand, especially for that time. And you know, like in 1957, that car, f- for 1957, I'm sure that car felt 10 years into the future. Sophia right. Loren drove one of these cars. Clark Gable drove one. So it's, yeah. I, I, I'll keep talking about the car, so I'll just stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you kind of sort of liked it. Okay. I kind of sort of liked it. If you have an opportunity, drive an old Roadster. It, it doesn't have to be a 300 SL. They cost so much money that it terrifies you to, 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 to take a left turn. <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah. Might, you might want something, you know, a little, you know, a, a little more affordable, you know, just so you can get the experience of it. You know, get, get, get a, a, yeah. find an old Austin Healey Sprite or a, an MGB or something. You yeah. Know. Just, just, just cruise around. Have some fun. All right. So 
moving on then. <clears throat> this week, Nicole and I were both separately in New York City. Um, and uh, we were both there for the same purpose, uh, but on different days, which was to drive the new Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. Um, Nicole, why don't you go first? What, what, what did you think of Jeep's... Actually, they're very their very first full size SUVs because they've never built something this large before. Well, I have to start by saying that you're talking about what cars you learned how to drive on. I learned how to drive a car on a 1982 Jeep Grand Wagoneer. That's actually what my parents had. Oh, really? So oh, yeah. So I have like, and I I took it to college, and you can fit a completely illegal number of your friends into that thing when you're an irresponsible college student and it was brilliant. Um, yeah. So I remember the old Wagoneer, um, and it was fabulous forward paneling on the side and all the new one. I, it, the level of luxury in the grand Wagoneer because they have the Wagoneer and the grand Wagoneer and they've got two different powertrains and the grand Wagoneer comes with more standard blow your mind luxury. You were talking about when Roberto, when you said something looks very of the future, the interior of that Grand Wagoneer, holy bejeebus. There is so much tech, <laughs> so much screen, so much like there is so much, just so much everything. Uh, they even have a screen on the passenger side that is like, you know, when you put a screen protector on your laptop so the guy next to you can't see what you're typing. If you are driving, you cannot see it. So oh. it actually does work. So like the, and you have access to some controls, but not all of them, but it, it it's, it's your own little screen. Um, and when it's not in use, it just kind of looks like, you know, like if you turn off an infotainment screen, you have that sort of piano black like section of dashboard. Um, it is unbelievably huge. Uh, it is, it's big. It's really, really big. <laughs> also, it's really, really big. How big is I, it? I, it's big. It is big. big. And it's like there's a Sherman it, tank and then right below it, the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. They're like right, right next to each other. Well, it's huge. For, 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 for reference, it's, it's actually slots in between. It's a little bit bigger than like a, a, a standard wheelbase uh, Cadillac Escalade. Um, but smaller than the long wheelbase, uh, you know, the suburban-sized Escalade. Yes. My so it's Lord. in between those two. So it is a big thing. So it was, it's about four, four inches longer than the, the base Escalade. Yeah, so your wow. average Escalade is smaller than this. and it, it, But the inside, <laughs> i got to say, it, it rides beautifully. The inside truly is amazing. They had this one, I, I, the, I don't know what the color was called, Sam. It was like a light blue. I think it may have been called Agave or something like that. But it's a light blue interior that is just so cool. Like it's got uh, these tan accents. I mean, you're, you're buying a luxury car. You're buying something that is, has a, I don't have the pricing in front of me. It is not cheap. It feels every bit like a luxury car inside of there. And then yet it still can do all the stuff that a Jeep can do. They had us take not the Grand Wagoneer, but the Wagoneer on a little off-road thing. Um, so you could, you know, you got one wheel popped in the air as you're going over the sort of like, I was calling moguls. I don't know what you call them. I call them moguls as you're going yeah, over those. Moguls. Moguls. Okay. I, so you, you know, and you get one wheel, you know, a good four feet in the air and inside the vehicle, you just feel a little bump. Bump, bump, bump. It's it doesn't on yeah, the I mean, outside it looks terrifying. It's a true Jeep. Yeah, it's it's a Jeep. It is in every way a Jeep. Just a really beautifully well equipped. Okay, one of my favorite rando details that the interior designer shared with me at dinner. So on the wood dashboard, there's this like piece that kind of divides it up and it goes across the length of the dashboard. And in it, it says Grand Wagoneer in metal. 
on the on the passenger side and you, you look at it and it almost looks like like you'd think there would be like thick letters that have been like recessed somehow into the wood no he said it's actually so thin it's like a tiny little thin wee little tiny piece of metal that sits on top of the wood so it's not it looks like it's set into the wood it's just this tiny little thin piece of metal that says and it's beautiful wood too it's an open pore oh wood my god it, it's, it's gorgeous gorgeous the the interior of this thing yeah. blew me away i mean it drives beautifully it's got all the jeepiness it has capability what is it i think the max tow rating is ten thousand pounds on this um, up, up, up to ten thousand pounds. Up to ten thousand, depending um, on and, how you and get you're it. Right equipped. about the the interior color. It's, it's yeah. Blue, they call it blue agave. Oh my gosh! It is. And it and is, it's like it is a, a fabulous color. It's definitely a not for everyone color, but man, it makes this it makes this car feel like something truly, truly special. So I I was a fan. I I drove the Wagoneer and I drove the Grand Wagoneer. The Grand Wagoneer gets a little bit more beefier of an engine. You don't suddenly drive the Wagoneer and feel like, oh gosh, this isn't enough. You know, you get more out of the Grand Wagoneer, but it's not like you feel lacking in the Wagoneer. What'd you think, Sam? Yeah. So uh, I I also really liked it. So as you said, you know, you get right now there's only uh, V8 engines available in here. The the standard Wagoneer has the 5.7 liter Hemi with about uh, like just shy of 400 horsepower. The um, the Grand Wagoneer gets the 6.4 liter, uh, which is I think 472 horsepower or something like that. Uh, when they showed the concept first last summer, I think August or so, August or September of last year, the Grand Wagoneer concept. They showed it then with the plug-in hybrid 4xe powertrain, and they declined to talk about that at all this week. You know, they said, we're not talking about that anything like that this week. We're talking about what we're selling right now. You can't comment on future product, the but, line. We cannot comment on uh, future product. You know? Yes. But but it's it's coming, you know. I mean, they they made it pretty clear during Stellantis's EV day that plugins are coming to everything in the Jeep lineup in the next couple of years. My guess is we'll probably see the the wagon the Grand Wagoneer four by E probably by the by the end close to either later in the twenty two model year or at the beginning of the twenty three model year. And the big question is, will it keep the two liter four cylinder that's in the the Wrangler or Combine that with maybe a V6 or, or even a V8 engine. Um, the V8 would be kind of interesting because now you're talking, you know, if they use the 6.4, they probably do with a 5.7. So, you know, 400, you know, plus 100 horsepower. So you're looking, you know, over 500 horsepower easily from a plug-in hybrid V8 uh, Grand Wagoneer, uh, which would be an interesting combination. But, you know, this is, this is a big vehicle, um, you know, not... It, it's not substantially bigger than you know an Escalator, Tahoe, or Navigator standard wheelbase model. It's about four inches longer. But it was interesting that they chose to do the drive program from Manhattan. So we started off in the meatpacking district of Manhattan and drove out to Westchester County, drove, went across the George Washington Bridge and out into Westchester and drove around some country roads out there, did some off-roading, had lunch, and then came back. And especially on the return trip coming down the, the Henry Hudson Parkway uh, into, uh, back into New York City, you realize you know, that road, if you've, if you've never <laughs> driven on it, it's what, I think three lanes on each side, uh, basically a, a you know, six-lane highway, three lanes in each direction, and there's, there's literally no shoulders. And the lanes 
are not particularly wide. They are not. And you know, on uh, in the you know in the center, if you're in the left hand lane in the center, there's a jersey barrier right there. So there's no shoulder. You know, you're basically up against a jersey barrier, and you got traffic on the other side, and you feel the width of this vehicle. You know, you're you you're do. constantly you know on the lookout to make sure that you're not scraping something on other either side. Yeah. Uh, so it it's. It can be a little nerve-wracking in that kind of environment. I was surprised when they said, you know, that New York, the New York area, is actually the the number one market in the country for SUVs and for Jeep. Uh, which I guess, you know, when they talk about that, it's actually the New York metro area. So I think a lot of people who live outside of the city, uh, you know, in Connecticut and you know Westchester County and Jersey and you know that that whole region, are driving these big SUVs. And of course, you do see a lot of big SUVs in the city in Manhattan as black cars. You know, right. a lot of Escalades, Navigators, uh, that sort of thing, you know, being used as black cars. So it, it's, it, as I said, it's a little nerve-wracking driving something that large in an environment like that. But when you get out in the country, even though these things weigh between, depending on the configuration, between 62 and 6,400 pounds curb weight. So we're talking a three-ton SUV. It actually doesn't feel like it weighs three tons. It's surprisingly nimble feeling driving you know, on twisty back roads. Uh, and, you know, and then, of course, there's the off-road capability. One thing that, that the Grand Wagoneer and the, and the Wagoneer offer that you can't get on any of the GM or Ford uh, full-size SUVs is a two-speed transfer case. None of those other competitors have a four-wheel drive low mode. With the, with this one, with the, the Quadra Drive uh, 2, uh, they've got three different four-wheel drive systems. There's the, the base Quadra Track 1, I think, and then Quadra Track 2, and then Quadra Drive 2. You can get up to a 48 to 1 crawl ratio, which, you know, for comparison, the Wrangler you know, I think is uh, the the standard Wrangler. You can get up to a seventy-eight to one, and the new the new off-road package they just launched, with the, forget the, the the name of it, is like a hundred to one crawl ratio. So you know, this thing can, assuming it'll physically fit, you, know, you can go places <laughs> with with the Wagoneer that you just can't go in any of those other full-size SUVs. Now, are you going to take your hundred thousand dollar luxury SUV into those kind of environments? Most people probably not, but maybe with the with the the regular Wagoneer, yeah, you you might just do that. Uh, so, well, and you, know, you know, this thing I, is, is. I had an interesting conversation again, dinner conversation with some of the folks at Jeep talking about that. Like, who? I get that what this does that you can't, you're not going to find in other SUVs like this is that off road capability. You could do some crazy stuff in this if you wanted to, but are you going to do it in a car that? is that expensive? And if you scrape those wheels, EGADS, that's a lot to replace those scraped wheels on your fancy car. Like, are you going to do this? And their sort of opinion was sort of like, well, you might, you might not, but sometimes just knowing that you can, I mean, how many people buy a truck and never really use the capability of that truck? You're never hauling more than like a cup. Yeah. Right. So you might not, but then you could, and if you wanted to, you could, and there's a certain sense of security in that. And also the luxury aspect on this, if you want a luxury car, but you don't want the sort of flash of the Escalade. Like someone sees an Escalade and you're like, oh, an Escalade. Everybody knows that's a fancy <laughs> car, right? Escalade, it has a certain image, like, you know, 
Jeep has a totally different image. So you're like, ooh, I went for this fancy Jeep. You're a different personality, a different person. So in terms of the You buy stuff the, from LL Bean. Yes. <laughs> and yes, exactly. So you're you're sort of it fits in with a lifestyle that's a little bit different. It's like it's a little more rugged, a little more active, a little less concerned with looking super special and important and more like, no, I want all that. I don't need to put it in your face, but I like the idea, the capability, and I do want a luxury car, but I don't want to drive an Escalade, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a very different luxury feel than you get in either the Escalator or the Navigator. You know, the, the Navigator's got a more kind of traditional type of luxury feel to it. The new Escalade you know, is a more modern luxury, you know, for lack of a better term. And this thing kind of falls somewhere in between. It's, mm-hmm. it's very contemporary, but it, it also got some of that traditional feel to it. Uh, and it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really nice balance of those. You know, and then, of course, you've got all those screens everywhere. You know, I think you can get up to seven screens in this thing. Yep. If you get the rear seat entertainment package on the Grand Wagoneer, you've got four across the front because you've got the, the cluster in front of you, the digital cluster, the center, the center infotainment display. Then there's another one down <gasps> below, uh, which has your climate controls at the bottom of the center stack. And that one can actually articulate up to open up. Yeah, it's like a little door. So it flips it. up. That is so yeah. cool. It like flips up. Poof, you have storage, comes back down. Bing, you have a screen. Right. And then, then the passenger screen and then the two rear passenger entertainment screens. And then another one in the, in the, rear, in the, the oh. rear center console for the rear climate controls. Um, so seven different displays. There's USB ports everywhere. So if you need to plug stuff in, <laughs> charge stuff, you, there's no shortage of USBs. You know, there's six in the front row, uh, a couple more in the back, and, and then more uh, in, the, uh, in the third row as well. And did you try sitting in the third row, Nicole? I did. I actually climbed yeah, back I, and it, it is, yeah. it with, you know, every single automaker says, oh, no, you can use our third row. It's easy to get to. You can sit back there. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, so no, <laughs> right? You get in the third row of the wagon here and you think, oh, I can sit back here. And I actually had, there was someone at the event who was like six foot two, I think he said. So six foot plus, I had him do the sit in the front seat, adjust your seat, now sit in the second row. And now sit in the third, and you could have six foot people in there and you can still <laughs> sit. It's not like suddenly, like when you get a tall guy, it's like, well, now my knees are like shoved under my chin as I'm trying to sit back here. Oh no, spread out, get comfy. There's plenty of room in that thing. As a tall guy, I can tell you, we do ruin everything. Yep. You do ruin everything you talk, but you know what you won't ruin? You won't ruin the driving experience in the Jeep Grand Cherokee because, or Grand Wagoneer, because there's plenty of room for you. And, you know, one of, one of the things that really impressed me about this thing was, you know, around, especially in Manhattan, but, uh, you know, in, in that general area, a lot of the roads can be pretty rough. You know, there's a, a lot of potholes, you know, kind of uneven pavement. And the the ride quality in this thing was shockingly good. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you can, you'll, as you drive over, you know, some of the frost heaves and things like that, you, you'll hear it, you'll hear a little thump, you know, and you might feel a little bit, but there's... You know, the body stays remarkably stable relative to what the wheels are doing, and you don't really feel any head toss going around. Uh, and, of course, in the Grand Wagoneer, you've got uh, 24-way seats, adjust front seats with um, massage capability, which you know, I took advantage of. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this thing is going to be really uh, – I think it's, it's 
going to be a really strong competitor to the other players in this in this market. Um, and uh, I, th I think Jeep's going to have a another winner on their hands with this one. You know, and I uh, the, the pricing. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the the price right right now at launch, they're only launching with four wheel drive models. No 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 rear wheel drive models. Um, the and so the the what's available now is the the series two uh, four by four starting at seventy one as fifteen hundred so seventy two seventy two five um, for the series two Wagoneer four by four going up to the the series three Grand Wagoneer. Um, uh, also four by four at just shy of one hundred and five thousand uh, dollars, but there will be later in the model year uh, two wheel drive models starting with the Series One Wagoneer <coughs> at fifty eight, so fifty nine, fifty nine and a half, just shy of sixty thousand uh, dollars, and uh, it's not cheap, but I I think that this is going to be a really strong competitor in there. Oh, I just it's noticed comparable the, to the uh, rest of the line, to the rest of that market. Yeah. You know how we've talked about uh, destination charges before, and oh they, yes, oh, yeah. two grand, keep, right? Keeping up Isn't and using. Two I just, grand. Yeah, it's two thousand dollars destination $2, charge on this one. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's funny. I had to write now, something up that had that on it. I, for I actually thought when I had to put it in on the one um, story that I was running, I'm like, ooh, they're not going to like that on wheel bearings. Two thousand dollars. That's too high. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of just like, uh, what am I paying for this? You know, but, stuff. <laughs> but there was something else I oh. wanted to relate talking about the people who would like this and the appeal. Like everybody knows what an Escalade is. Everybody knows some of these and certain person. When I was coming out of uh, coming out of the city on the start of the drive, it was very congested traffic. It was merging from, you know, five lanes to one because New York City and very congested and a uh, trash truck, like a full on city of New York trash truck turns out and kind of turns directly in front of me. And I'm like, okay, I'll let him go. And the guy gives me like a thumbs up. And I'm like, did he just thank me for kind of sort of letting him in? Cause that's the most not New York thing I've ever seen. But then we ended up next <laughs> to each other in traffic. <laughs> right. I'm like, so I roll, he's like, you know, roll down the window, I roll it down. And it's the guy driving this trash truck. And he says, what is that? What are you driving? I've never seen that. I was trying to figure out what that is. What is that? And when I told him what it is, he's like, that's amazing. Can you buy that? Is that out there? I, that is so cool. And it's just like random Joe driving a trash truck is like sees this and recognizes it as something new and different and cool. And I thought the number of outrageous expensive cars this guy probably sees driving through New York City in an average day. And the one that got him to like, hey, lady, roll down your window is the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. That says something about how it looks and the appeal this is going to have for people. Cool. Oh, but you don't know, but like that, like a half mile later, he had somebody with a juke. He's like, roll down the window. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, you're ruining my story, Roberto. Shush. <laughs> What what did you think of the uh, Macintosh audio system? I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was really good. The we when we first got in, it's and you know you forget to do this in press cars. Somebody plays with it, and you're like, why does this all sound weird? And my drive uh -oh. partner's like, wait, they've messed with it. So he resets everything, and you know to like sort of like factory reset almost, put it all in the middle, and um, then play with it a little bit. It has fantastic sound. I mean, if you want that the 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 bass sound in that, I had my legs sort of was touching the side door, and I could feel like boom 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 boom, boom reverberating. 
fighting through the door against my leg. Uh, I thought the Macintosh sound system was incredible. And it, but it does always make me think a little bit of Halloween because it's got green and the logo comes up like kind of green and it has that sort of typical Halloween font is just what Macintosh uses for their font. So I feel like, <laughs> Halloween, I feel like Halloween, like every time I see that display. <laughs> I've 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 done like uh, reviews of like Macintosh uh, like high, like I did their 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 high end weird crazy turntable and now all I can think about is Halloween, <laughs> which See? I don't think that's what they were going for. But now... I don't think that's what they're going for either. But I'm like, you should have picked a different font. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, one one of the, the things when they when they launched the uh, the concept again last summer um, that that's carried through. Uh, now into the Grand Cherokee and in the Wagoneers uh, is the app that runs on the Uconnect 5 infotainment system. You can launch an app that gives you a simulated version of the signature Macintosh meters, the blue backlit meters. So you get yes. a virtual version of those meters on your screen in the, in the vehicle cool. while you're driving. Yeah. That was a big deal for them. All I right. remember when they launched, they were like, look at this. And then it turns out like the color correction was wrong. They're like, don't use those photos. And I was like, ah. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, uh, while you were in Monterey, uh, Robbie, you saw a new Lamborghini. I saw a new old Lamborghini. Is uh, I think that's the best way to 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 describe it. I saw the the brand new, but not really new. Uh, <laughs> I, okay, I saw the new sort of kind of the new, new Countach. Uh, so the Countach is like the official supercar period. It's, it's the supercar that everyone talks about. If basically anyone Gen X for Gen X, we all owned, I think they handed them out as soon as you turned five, everyone who's generation yep. X got a Lamborghini Countach uh, poster to put on your wall and it stayed up there, uh, well into the nineties. Um, it was the, yeah, the Countach, it, it, it set the bar for every Lamborghini uh, introduced after it. It set the bar for the uh, really like supercar design. Um, and it's, it is, so it's the 50th anniversary of that vehicle. And uh, Lamborghini decided, hey, let's make a hybrid Countach. And they did. And they, they made 112 of them. And the reason, Why 112? Because that's the project number for the Countach when it, it was originally uh, created. So they were trying to figure out, like, well, how many should we make? We only want to make a few because it's not. We don't want to like be the company that like resurrects old, you know, brands. They, you know, they, they We want to look forward. That was like their whole thing. It's like we want to keep looking forward. We don't want to like dwell on the past. But they felt like the the Countach was such a uh, an iconic vehicle that they had to do something for its 50th anniversary, but they wanted to do something very, very small. And so they made 112. Actually, they made 113 because they have one. So 112 are sold to the masses. And then the one that was at uh, 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 Car Week. The masses. Was, <laughs> I know, the masses. And when I say masses, really 112 people who've already purchased one. They all That's sold. That's what I was going to ask. Did they sold. sell them out already? They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. You're not, yeah. They're, those are, they, they, they saw these cars a while back. Uh, they had to sign a bunch of NDAs. They had to throw down all the monies in the world. I, I, like, do, how much is this? Do we know how much this is? It's two point. I think two point six million. Yeah, two point six million. A lot, a lot. Yeah, it's especially yeah. Is lot. Um, <laughs> all the money. <laughs> all the money. Um, 
Yeah, so there's 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 one, there's zero. So the one at at uh at Pebble Beach or at the Quail or Monterey Car Week, whatever you want to call it, the one they were showing off was uh zero. So that's Lamborghinis, and then there's 112 that have been sold to individuals, which means that the chances of any of us ever driving it are pretty much slim to nil. I couldn't sit in it. I wasn't allowed to sit when I was shooting video of it. I'm like, can I sit inside? They're like, no. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense because there's only one. And what if I have gum on my butt or something? And <laughs> so what happened to the 2.8? <laughs> oh, we had to redo the upholstery because that Roberto idiot. Roberto sat out with gum yeah. on his butt. Uh, why would he have gum on his butt? But he did. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it, it, it was, it's, it, it is, I, I really appreciate how much, um, it looks like the original Countach without being a carbon copy of that vehicle. I mean, there's, there's regulatory issues you have to deal with that the original Countach didn't have to deal with, you know, it had to be taller. Um, but you know, there's all these like little touches, like the, uh, the original Countach, uh, concept vehicle in the front, in the grill, it said Countach. Sorry, the dogs are going crazy. <laughs> the dog's excited about it. I mean, they want to see this car. Yeah. They're excited. Shh. Hey. Well, if I had that much right. money, which I don't, you know. <laughs> oh, so the, so the original, on the original uh, concept vehicle in the grill, it said Countach. And then that, didn't, that didn't really go into production. But on this vehicle, they, they, they brought that back. And, you know, it doesn't have a wing, which I know a lot of us think when we think Countach, we think uh, the big giant wing. But the orig- originally it didn't have a wing. Um, they added that later. So it doesn't have yeah, a wing. Yeah, that didn't come along till about 1980 or so. Yeah, yeah. But everyone like that's the one everyone has on their wall. So it doesn't have the wing, um, but it has a lot of those sort of styling cues that those air vents on the doors that they make it like a, a bit of a triangle that sort of telescoping uh, top roof where it sort of like comes down into a V. Um, yeah, the, the flat lights in the front, it, it's like everything you're just like, oh yeah, that's, that's a Countach and it looks that's awesome. so much better in person. It does in pictures. So if you've seen the pictures and you're just like, I don't know, it looks better in person. Um, I saw the pictures. I was like, oh, this looks cool. And then you see it in person when they take the, everything off. We're like, oh, this looks much cooler than, than, than the photos. I think there are, there, there, there are a bunch of cars that are sort of like that where you're like, ah, and then you see it in person like, ooh. So if you're if you're on the fence about it, um, you you know I don't know when you're gonna see it in person actually at a car show. Go to a car and show. That's it. That's Lambert. the only time you're ever gonna yeah, see it. Is at a car show. They'll drag yeah. out number zero and you can check it out. And it looks like it does have the uh, the little cover over the uh, over the uh, start button. Uh, you have to flip up just like on the Urus. Excellent. Yeah. I'm just looking at the photos. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, so I have to confess, you know. When I was a kid, you know, when I was growing up in the 1970s, um, I was not a fan of the Countach. I was part of the other group. So, you know, at that time, there were there were two supercars. There was the Countach and the Ferrari 512BB. And I was a Ferrari guy. I was not the, the Countach guy. And so I had posters of the Ferrari. In fact, I still have one. I still have a picture of a Ferrari 512 in my office. Um, and... That was that was my car was the Ferrari five twelve BB, um, and then I actually was a much bigger fan of the Lamborghini Miura, which was the predecessor to the Countach. I mm-hmm. I loved that car. That thing was gorgeous. The Countach just never did it for me, but I do like this new one. I, I you know I think it's it, it's a it's a more sophisticated design in some respects. You know it, it draws on the the elements of the original, um, especially the the 
like the 70s era Countaches before they put the, the fender flares on and the, the wing and everything. So the, the first generation of production Countaches, uh, this one draws a lot more from those than, than from the later ones. Yeah, I, I mean, I every... feel about you not being a fan of the Countach. I, right. I, I'm, I'm struggling to still podcast with you, but I'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I know. I think. I mean, I, the Mira was. It's just uh, an unbelievably beautiful eyelashy vehicle. Um, but yeah, I think that that Countach just really set the standard for everything else. And it is. A, it's a hybrid, but it's a hybrid like the, the CN. So it has a. Um, it has capacitors, as supercapacitors instead of a battery. Um, it has, uh, even though it the the it's like LPI 800-4, so it's large longitudinally. Yeah, so the engine <laughs> placement. I can never longitudinally. Long, yeah, that word. Uh, it mm-hmm. plays so it's the, the transmission in front of the the engine. I don't know. I didn't ask. It's it's pretty much whatever the scene that, has. That that was the thing about the V12. You know, the, from the Countach up through the Aventador, the, it, they were always arranged with the, you had the V12 in the back, and then the engine was actually in front of the, the uh, or the transmission was in front of the engine in the center tunnel. So you had an almost direct link from the shifter back when they still had actual shifters instead of this push-button nonsense. Um, <laughs> you, you had an almost direct link um, to, the, to, the, to the transmission because uh, it was literally under your elbow. Yeah, in those cars, I'm I'm curious, like, because okay, so it has 800, so it's the 800, but it actually has eight, and that's supposed to signify the power, but it it actually has 814 horsepower, but 800, the 814 sounds weird, 800 sounds nice, uh, and 531 yeah. pound feet of torque. So when you give a a, a Countach owner 814 horsepower and 531 pounds of torque, how long do you think it would take if, if it was a manual transmission? Like how many, I don't know, hours before they melted the clutch? Like two? A one and a half? <laughs> 45 I'm minutes? Go one, an hour and 45 minutes. Let's hour go an hour and 45, 45. minutes. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's got yeah. a lot of power. Uh, zero to 62 in 2.8 seconds because, you know, kilometers. Um, it is, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a really pretty car. It's very expensive where none of us are going to be able to drive it unless Lamborghini mm-hmm. later on says, you know what? Yeah, but you can drive it on a track and you can only go, you know, five miles. Um, well, let's make it three miles. You can go three miles <laughs> in this vehicle. <laughs> um, yeah. So that the new Countach. And you can't get out of first gear. And you can't, you, you do not, you know, <laughs> do not touch anything. Don't do anything. Don't make things. <laughs> Do not cause any problems with our vehicle, it was, please. I feel like it was the big news of the show, um, the of New York Auto Week, um, was the 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 Countach. Um, I know Audi had, or, yeah, Audi had the Sky Sphere, and there was a new Bugatti, and there's some other things, and but then there was also some news that came up after that. Yeah, um, Acura made a, a little announcement as well with drones. Uh, they uh, it looked so cool. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you know something that Acura fans have been clamoring for for what probably twenty years now uh, is the return of the Integra. Uh, the Integra is coming back next year, um, and they they released a teaser image of it, uh, and that's all. They, they're not telling us anything else right now, but they 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 claim it will be true to the original. Um, so, what do you think about an Integra coming back? I think it's kind of cool. It was such like an iconic 
car for Integra once upon a time. I mean, that's what everybody wanted. It was a big deal. So I think bringing well, it, it was back, the original Acura. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the thing. My uh, the first another old car that Nicole Wakeland had. Uh, my husband's first car that he bought after he got married was in fact an Acura Integra, and he loved that thing. And he drove it until it was like, "Honey, it's done. You need to move on to something Aww. that still works." Um, yeah, he drove it to death. Um, but he loved that. Uh, so I think it's kind of neat. I think if they can. Uh, capture some of the spirit of the original in whatever it is they decide to do with the new one, I think that could be kind of fun. Uh, but I don't know how you, part of what made it neat, it was, like I said, the first Acura. It was, how do you, I don't know. I, I think it'll be neat. I'm excited for it. I think a lot of people who are a fan of that car are going to be excited to see it come back and to see what they do with it. And I think it could be good. I, uh, as someone yeah, who owned you know, a Civic when, and loved, loved, loved to have owned an Integra, um, I think when they came out, it was, yeah, it was like the first Acura. It was very important uh, for them. But it also like sort of goes back to where Acura's trying to become that performance brand that it originally launched with, that sort of precision engineered. You know, it started with the NSX a few years ago. Uh, now we got Type S coming to everything, apparently. Um, and I think the, the the Integra was one of those sort of missing missing elements from, from this uh, sort of... Uh, rebranding to being what they were originally, and I think the uh, I, I'm curious to see what they uh, what they bring out, and I'm sure there's going to be a Type S version of it, and it's going to be cool. I hope you always you know you always you know cross your fingers and hoping something cool. Yeah, when when Honda launched the Civic Type Type R here in the U.S. a couple of years ago, I loved driving that car. Um, I didn't necessarily love looking at it so much, you know, I mean, for, for me, it, you know, at my age, you know, it was a little Stabby. over the top, shall we say, in, ter- in, terms, yeah, in terms of styling, <laughs> you know, that, that big, that wing, you know, although granted from, you know, from the driver's seat, you can't see the wing, you know, cause it's shaped. So it's just above the, the line of the, the rear glass. So when you look out the rear window, you don't, you don't see it at all. Um, and that's what I tell people. It's like, just close your eyes, climb in the car, and then you can open your eyes and drive. And you don't have to worry about what it looks like. Just drive yeah. it and enjoy. Just don't look. And what I, what what I what I had always hoped was that they would do you know a, a replacement for the ILX, you know, and basically put all the good mechanical bits of the Type R into you know into a compact Acura, uh, you know, that was more restrained in its design, and. Uh, Hopefully that's what they come up with, you know, with with this Integra is basically just drop all the the Type R stuff into uh, a compact sedan uh, that you know that you can drive without grabbing the attention of every uh, police officer you know, <laughs> driving down the road, and you know still be able to you know have a great time driving it. Uh, and I'll be curious to see what they do from a from a powertrain perspective. I mean, there is a new uh, Civic Type R coming uh, sometime, I think, in the early part of next year. Uh, and you know, hopefully, whatever they do to that goes into the Integra and, and maybe even a little bit more. And interesting, you know, because the, when the Integra originally launched, Acura was a North America only brand, and everywhere else in the world, the Integra was sold as a Honda, which is why. It was the first, the very first Type R was the Integra, uh, you know, and eventually Type R became a Honda only thing, and they did Type S for, for Acura. Uh, so I'm sure that you know whatever whatever they do, you know the the hot Integra is probably going to be a Type S rather than a Type R, 
but I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what they come up with. All right. One last uh, story before we get into a couple of listener questions. Um, Nissan is apparently considering a compact electric pickup truck, which I think, I don't know about you, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, if, if this compact pickup truck thing starts to take off with the, the Maverick and the, um, the um, Santa Cruz, uh, you know, Nissan's got their new EV platform that they're going to use for the Aria that's launching. Actually, it's going to be early in 2022 now. They pushed it back a few months. Um, using that as the basis for a pickup truck, I think, would actually be really interesting. You know, have something that's smaller, more affordable than, say, a Lightning or uh, a Rivian uh, or a GMC Hummer, for, for that matter. Um, what, do, what do you think about that? I think people are going to be excited about that idea. I think it's a neat direction for Nissan to go. And I, I do think this compact pickup truck segment is sort of taken off, you know, between what we already have and, and the new stuff that we're getting that's a little bit smaller, like the Maverick. I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think people want... Uh, they want to move towards EVs. I, th- the bigger pickup truck guys might be a little bit more nervous about it with the idea that, you know, if you, you're out there somewhere doing really trucky things, it can be hard to get your vehicle charged. But the, but the compact pickup trucks, you know, a lot of those aren't necessarily, you can go off road on them. You can do that kind of stuff, but they're a lot more likely to, to find themselves less out there where there's going to be a way to charge it. And you're not, you know, I think that, makes having an EV a little bit more usable for compact pickup truck buyers. And I think Nissan doing that is, is a good idea. I'm, I'd be anxious to see, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. I think it's a positive move. It kind of makes a bit more sense because, you know, the moving a pickup truck requires a lot of power, which means more battery and battery mm-hmm. adds more weight. And then it's just this like, you know, you go round and round you, to add more range, you can need to add more weight, but if you add more weight, you need to add more battery to add more. And so I think the compact truck is, is, is sort of a, a really nice, uh, it'll be a nice happy medium. I think uh, they're definitely going to be keeping an eye on what's uh, the Santa Cruz and the Maverick and see how those sell after the initial excitement of them. Um, and I think if, it's, if, it's, if it uh, ends up playing out as well as we think it will, because um, I think there's, there, there is a, 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 a genuine um, desire for smaller pickups. And like, not everyone needs something the size of a, of a, a Manhattan studio apartment. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I, I, I think, and you know, that would, I mean, to me that makes, that, again, I think that makes a lot more sense. Um, I mean, the F-150 is the F-150. You can't, whatever, you know, the, the F-150 Lightning is going to sell because it's the right. F-150. But for, for a lot of people, I think small pickup trucks make more sense. And a small pickup truck gets an EV because you're not going to be doing, like you said, trucky truck things. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense and it'll be interesting to see if Nissan is the first to sort of come out the gate with a, a small, uh, EV. What All right. do you think, Sam? Let's answer a couple of listeners. Oh. I, I, no, I agree totally. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, Nissan starting to do some more interesting things and being more competitive. And I think if they were the first ones to launch a compact electric pickup, I, I think, that could be something that really sets them apart uh, from the competition. You know, certainly, you know, sets them apart from Maverick and, and Santa Cruz. And I, I think that there's, uh, you know, a lot of potential there. I think that could be a, a really cool product for them um, that I think will will get some good attention. I think I think it'll get some customers. All right, let's a- let's answer some listener questions. 
Uh, first up, Brianna Wu asks, is yellow a great color for a sports car or a terrible color? It's great. Anything that's colored like a Skittle is great on a sports car. It has to be that 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 shocking green, that shocking orange, that shocking yellow. If it looks like a Skittle, it's acceptable in a sports car. It's it's it, you know what's weird is that yellow. There's a there's such there's like a tiny little tint variant that immediately makes it look like a school bus or a taxi. As yeah, long as you can, orange, yeah, yeah if you <laughs> it can, gets too orangey. Yeah, if you can stay away from that and move towards the more yellow pearl, then it yeah, it's it's outstanding. But uh, yeah, you got to be very careful. I think there was a colon that someone was telling about that was yellow um, that looked, it ended up looking like a taxi. Like someone spent no, a lot God. of money on a Rolls Royce. <laughs> Oops. Got a yellow. And I actually it, saw a colon in, in Manhattan for the first time. It looked like a taxi. I've never seen one in vehicle. the real world. It's a, it's a big, big car. <laughs> It's like a, it, driving it, it's like driving it is like driving a locomotive. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Nothing's getting our way. I, I, I agree though. Any, anything bold, bold colors on sports cars are, are great. I love, um, you know, I have become so unbelievably bored with anything that's black, white, or some shade of silver and gray because they're everywhere that, Bold colors are more bold colors are needed, you know, whether it's yellow or green or orange, whatever, just put it out there and especially on a sports car. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Next up from I am nuisance on Twitter. Uh, I've been hoping to see a convertible BEV, a battery electric vehicle. I think it would be easier to do since you start, uh, start with uh, an electric skateboard um, that is stiff. Uh, who do you think will be first to do it? Not an exotic. So who's going to build an electric convertible? I, I am like I am with I am nuisance. I I really just want a convertible EV, and I, for the life of me, God, I cannot. Who? I can't. I because you have GM, but GM is not really a convertible, you know. Mm-mm. And then you have uh, Hyundai. Hyundai's like pretty far out there with you know. They've, they've never, never done, done a convertible. A convertible. Mazda's behind everybody. Mazda, Ford, um, I'm sorry, Mazda, Toyota, and Honda are sort of lagging. Um, so it, it, it's, I don't it's know. a tough one. I mean, Ford is, is coming up, but Ford may. <sighs> Ford's not doing sedans anymore. Yeah, they're not I even th- doing cars. No, yeah. but they are they doing, are doing Mustangs. Mustangs. You could do they right, Mach-E. You... Mustangs are last yeah, car. Mustang is the last car. So maybe we'll have so a So maybe that's it. Like Mustang. A proper it's gonna Mustang. be Mustang. But but not yeah. But yeah, not a Mach E, but but actually a true Mustang. A proper Mustang. You know, the next, like the a, next generation proper, Mustang is coming up. A proper Mustang that and would be a, th- that would be it. Yeah. And I th- I think that they I think that they will they are gonna do an electric Mustang. Like a true Mustang coupe and a convertible. I can I think I think it's gonna be Ford. I think yep. later in the decade we will see Mazda do an electric Miata. Oh yeah, but um, that I think the Mustang is probably going to be the first. Yeah, that yep. makes. I think that makes the most sense. That makes sense. Looking at I everyone agree. else, because everyone, if you're if you're having to catch up, you're going to be going sport compact, you know, SUV, because you need to get the you need to get those numbers, and that's where the market is, and it's it's after you've already established yourself and you have the cars on the market, which Ford is already doing. I think yeah, the Mustang convertible sounds like the best. That's yeah. Winner. If it's not that, then I don't know. Volkswagen something? The Taos? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> could be uh, maybe an I, you know, an ID3 convertible. The, uh, a Scirocco? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the Scirocco one more time. 
We're back to Scirocco. All right. Uh, uh, finally, Rachel Connolly asks, my eight-year-old son loves cars more than anything. He wants to know if there will ever be flying cars. I have a lot of thoughts on think? this. I have, a, I have I've my written, I've written this, this article, and I think the article was, at some point, I just like, there, there's no such thing as a flying car. Because people are trying to, uh, VTOL, EVTOLs, which is essentially giant drones that people fl- fly around in, they're just really, really fancy helicopters with a lot of uh, things in them. We cannot be trusted entirely <laughs> to drive on the road. Um, the idea of giving <laughs> us the ability to now fly seems like a bad scene because when you wreck a car on the road you know you 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 know it's a it's horrible and you know you, you create you, you might there's potential for collateral within your area if you mess up in the sky and you fall out of the sky you, you're landing on houses you're it's and the ffa ffa the future farmers of america are very <laughs> the, the faa um you know they have to they, they keep track of the sky and you know they they're moving towards taking care you know looking at vtols and seeing how those work but we can't even fly drones in cities like you can't fly a drone within like the city of san francisco you can't fly drones near um airports you can't fly drones and those are just the tiny little drones so imagine cars flying i think it's it i think we the, the idea of the flying car is it's it's fun and we've always talked about it and the jetsons didn't really help us like think that it wouldn't happen but i think at the end of the day like though the 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 it's going to be those tiny those those e-vtols those those vertical takeoff and landing uh d- giant drones that people get in and fly around from point a to point b but even that is it that's that's still a little bit of a ways off for most people because it's expensive you got to build the infrastructure you got to deal with the faa you can't be near airports because you're going to get in the way of of actual giant jets it's it's super complicated and there's a reason why uber sold their e-vtol business there's a flying cars. There's a company that has now pretty much gone bankrupt, Terrafugia. They had a uh, facility at the local airport in my town, which is a small airport, uh, that they were approved for doing test flights and testing out. We were the first ones in the nation, I think, to officially make flying cars road legal. I don't know the rules around all of it, but we're the first ones going to Hampshire. Uh, and then they pretty much laid everybody off and are done as of February of this year. Uh, so that was our brief uh, moment of <laughs> shining glory for flying cars, and they died. Uh, so, yeah, it, I don't... And when you looked at what they had, it really just looked like a drone, a big drone that you could sit in. Like, yeah, yeah I, I don't. They're, well, their their older stuff was more like a sort of car like with folding wings, folding and stuff. wings. Do you want to fly yeah. in something with folding wings unless it's like military grade? I <laughs> like, know I, hey, the, the is, idea of this like, is built. He's built three of these. <laughs> He's got an engineering degree. It should be fine. (laughs) You have to, you have to like, how many hours do you have to train for your pilot's license? Like it's an ungodly number of hours you train. What will we have to do to actually certify people to be okay in a flying car? I feel like the driver's ed version of flying cars (laughs) is not going to be acceptable for people to put giant things over my head and flying through the air. So I don't know, maybe someday in the far distant future, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. I know I liked the Jetsons too. I feel bad for your son, your kid, but yeah, no, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, sorry, dude. Yeah. Uh, I think anything anything that is capable of flying, you know, by its nature inherently has to be designed as an aircraft first. So it's it's really an aircraft that happens to be able to maybe drive. 
as opposed to a flying car. So it's more of a driving plane <laughs> than a flying car. And, you know, the, these EV tolls, I mean, these, these things are going to be air taxis. They're not going to be things that almost anybody owns. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to go yeah. buy an EV toll. Uh, in most, in fact, in most cases, most of these things are being designed to be to fly autonomously without even a pilot. Some of the early ones will have pilots, but these are aircraft. They're not cars. They may provide taxi-like services, but they're still not cars. Because you can do yeah. that. So you can do a taxi with a yeah. helicopter right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that's yeah. true. I saw. We saw a whole bunch of them in in Manhattan yeah. this week. You know, I mean, you know pe- just picking up and dropping people off at the pier. From uh, from our hotel, you know, looking out my hotel room, I, you know, so I'm coming in and out all the time. But they're, as you said, they're really expensive and they're noisy, and they need dedicated infrastructure for landing. And uh, it's, you know, it will we'll have air taxis, but we're, I, unfortunately, I don't think we're ever really going to have true flying cars. Just just enjoy the all car right. on the ground, and then when you want to go somewhere, you can get a yeah. maybe maybe in the future get an Evo toll, or right now you can just get a helicopter ride. You could just get a helicopter ride around yes. somewhere. Very second. Yeah, you could just you, know, just make friends with a guy who owns a helicopter, or just go to Manhattan or Hawaii or the Grand Canyon or whatever, and just get in a helicopter and enjoy the view. For for what it's worth, those EV tolls should actually be potentially safer than traditional helicopters because you've got multiple motors, multiple rotors. Um, you're not relying just on one engine and one one rotor uh, to keep that thing in the air. And so they, they should have a little more redundancy and they should be safer and certainly a lot more energy efficient. But, yeah, it's, it's yeah. still a ways out there. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. See you guys next week. Talk to you Bye. next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.